From the African American Public Radio Consortium, it's a matter of your health. It's a matter of your health. The 30 minute radio show that gives you information and educates you on healthy living. Here's your host, board certified physician, hypertension specialist, Dr. Vita Bland. We're so pleased to welcome to our microphones today, Dr. Cynthia Snyder. Dr. Snyder is an infectious disease specialist. She is the medical director for infection prevention and epidemiologist at Cone Hospital in Greensboro, North Carolina. Dr. Snyder, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. Uh, you're welcome, Dr. Bland. Dr. Snyder, I cannot imagine how busy you are in this age of COVID. How are things going? Oh, you know, it has been a very busy uh, 18, 20 months. And um, I think everybody was a little bit relieved this summer when cases went down. But as you know, and as many people um, reside in states that are more affected than others, we are in the midst of another heavy surge. And so I think everybody in healthcare is working um, exceedingly hard in order to keep their patients safe. Mm-hmm. Dr. Snyder, how did you get an infectious disease? You know, what what prompted you to do this? You know, I I had a little bit of a circuitous route getting into medical school. I first actually really uh, fell in love with public health. Mm. So um, my uh, first calling was into public health and working in HIV prevention. And um, I was very fortunate to uh, go to medical school at the University of Utah, as well as do my medicine and internal and infectious disease training at the University of Virginia. And from there, um, I've had really amazing um, mentors in the field of uh, HIV research and also um, with um, preparedness and for 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 uh, in, like emerging infectious diseases, and um, this recently um, also had great mentorship for um, infection prevention. Mm-hmm. You know, when they talked to us about um, pandemics in medical school, you know, I think we all listened. And certainly, you know, with you being an infectious disease expert, you probably maybe took it a little more to heart than the rest, than maybe some of us, but. I just never thought I would see this. Yeah, you know, it, it, it depends. I think, you know, certain areas of the world obviously are, are closer to um, the realization of, of pandemics or, you know, if you think of areas that are endemic to Ebola virus or hemorrhagic diseases. But, you know, in, in countries that have very well-developed um, health systems, you know, the thought that a pandemic can overwhelm their 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 healthcare system seemed like a didn't seem as real as it has been over these last eighteen months, and that wake up call really um, points out like where the weaknesses in your health systems are or your public health systems are, and so in a way, you know, this past eighteen months has been a very um, huge learning curve for everybody and understanding the importance of, you know, partnering with your public health um, agencies and knowing how to, how to make use of the resources you have in order to do the most you can for the community. Well, 
you know, you, you said that, you know, we've had a surge. So, you know, where are we in the country right now? Um, you know, where are we? What's going on? So, you know, overall, we definitely have seen a lot of um, steady increases in cases uh, overall in the United States, right? We've had about 145,000 cases per day, which is roughly a 30% increase. But I think most alarming is that hospitalization cases has increased by 50% in the last two weeks, as well as deaths. You know, I believe we were close to 1,000 deaths per day, which is a 100% increase than two weeks ago. Mm. And many states in the South are the ones who are feeling the brunt of the surge. And specifically, this is all Delta variant. We know we saw an inkling of what was happening in Missouri, but then as Florida, Louisiana, Georgia, Mississippi are all struggling with so many cases and overwhelming that their ICU beds, their emergency rooms. And this also probably coincides in communities have had like either low to modest, you know, uh, up to 50% uptake in their vaccines and then probably don't have like a mask mandate. So, all of these factors put together place, you know, this this variant like having so much control over us. You know, it is much more infectious than the wild type last year. We are looking at like five to six people being positive after that first case, you know, and it's also folks are showing up with symptoms faster than they were before. So for instance, on average, we think people are starting to show symptoms three to four days after being exposed. And so it makes it very challenging when you're trying to do contact tracing or trying to determine who needs to be quarantined or not. So we really need to use like all the tools we have in order to, you know, slow down this pandemic in our community. So what I hear you saying is this, uh, we're seeing this this surge because, first of all, people are not getting their their vaccinations and uh, they're not using their mask. And this variant, you know, why do we have this variant? You know, what is it? You know, why has it mutated to this? Yeah, so that is a, a, an excellent question. We know that viruses constantly mutate, but you know, many mutations don't really become the dependent or the overall majority. And it's when a virus is smart enough to adapt, you know, to have something that's a little bit more uh, either be more contagious or create more severity. That's when it starts picking up, you know to being the predominant strain. So with the Delta variant, the concern is that because it's so transmissible, you know, it's like almost as transmissible as chickenpox, that it's definitely, you're going to increase more people. And the fact that in many communities, we only have maybe 40, 50% of folks vaccinated who are eligible for it. And and that's also not enough to create like what's called herd immunity. And, you know, looking back, you know, I, th I think a lot of people th felt that, oh, you know, once we get everybody up to like 70%, we're going to be fine. And in a way, you know, that reflects those estimates for the wild type last year. But for this, we, we really feel that, 
it's much higher proportion of folks that need to get vaccinated. Wow. Well, here's a real question. I'm having difficulty getting some people to motivate people to get the vaccine. Uh, I try to explain to them the science of it and all of that. Do you have any magical words to help me with this, to, to motivate people to get the vaccine? You know, at first I try to find out what is their concern? You know, where where does that lie for their indecision? Is it, you know, is it information about the vaccine? Is it to dispel some mis- misinformation that they may have heard? And then, you know, there's also um, probably a camp of folks who are, you know, on the, the side of like, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. You know, I, I have my individual rights. So, in you know, a couple of things. Um, the FDA is close to giving full approval to the Pfizer vaccine, which I think is is wonderful. You know, the data has always been there. It's a very safe vaccine, given that you know over 190 million U.S. citizens have gotten in, closer to like two and a half, maybe three billion people worldwide have gotten the vaccine. Um, I think the concern with some of the misinformation. That I think is the hardest, you know, you know, the infertility aspects of that misinformation with a vaccine has, you know, I think affected a lot of young women in the reproductive years not to get the vaccine. You know, we have plenty of data now showing that, you know, as well as the CDC and the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology really supporting the use of having the vaccine for pregnant women and breastfeeding men. And um, we know that pregnant women do far worse um, when they get a COVID infection. Um, infants, as you know, can't get vaccinated and a way that they can get immunity is through the antibodies that can be detected in the breast milk. And in terms of infertility, they have followed at least women and noticed that they have not uh, had any complications associated with um, reproduction. So uh, it's, you know, a lot of folks keep mentioning, like, we don't know what's happening down line to us. And again, I have to mention that, you know, this vaccine does not affect, does not integrate in your own DNA. It does not, you know, affect your reproductive system in any ways like that. In terms of the folks who, you know, side on, I need to make my own personal decision. You know, right now we are in a, in a very large public health crisis. And I think we have to side with what's, what's the common good. We have to make the decision, not just for ourselves, but for our community, for your neighbor, for your grandmother, for your kids, you have to do this for the, you know, for the good of society. And that, I think that part is hard to, to, to tell people about. Now, when you talk about, you know, the vaccination, some of the recommendations have been um, modified in the sense that they're now talking about getting a third um, booster. Could we uh, address that a little bit? Yes, we know, um, you know, when we look at viral vaccines, we know that it, they don't tend to be as durable as other types of uh, vaccines. And so the fact that we have our immune system kind of chipping away or with time, what I mean by that, but the antibodies are, are waning, uh, that is not 
unanticipated. Um, and certain folks in our population are not likely to have as robust of an immune response. So we see that in folks who are immunocompromised, you know, they may be taking medications that blunts, that affects their immune system, um, such as cancer patients or solid organ transplant recipients. Um, and we also that know that happens too with those who are, who are older in our community. And so our senior citizens are those, you know, older than 65 or 75. And so they are actually getting a, the recommendation is getting a third dose, still part of that primary uh, immunity, just like, you know, the hepatitis B vaccine series, you know, that has three shots and that, that will help them boost their immune systems a bit more so that they can protect themselves against um, getting a severe illness from COVID-19. In terms of those who are not immunocompromised, you know, there's still a a bit more research that needs to be done. Um, we know that there's been some preliminary data from Israel and uh, some smaller subsets in the U.S. suggesting that the antibodies overall starts trending down. And it could be also due to the fact that, um, you know, the, the response has to do with this newer, more transmissible, like, um, strain. And so there is uh, likely to be, I believe, at the end of September, um, the recommendations to get another booster for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's important to note that even now, just with what everybody has, like if you've completed your series, be it the one dose from J&J or the two doses from either Moderna or Pfizer vaccine, that this still is a very effective vaccine. We know that it protects against severe and um, severe disease and hospitalizations. And so we know that 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 is the key thing you know a lot of people say well even even i know somebody that's been vaccinated and it's got the disease well they actually probably that infection is still much um like less severity than if somebody's unvaccinated So we went through our records and tried to pull out all the patients that we had that had had um, renal transplants and tried to get in contact with them to make sure that they were getting um, a third uh, vaccination. When they, when you talk to those people to get that third vaccination, is there a time element? Should they, you know, if they had their last vaccination in March, it is it that they should get it now? Or is there a time element when they should get it? You know, for those, um, that's a good point. So we say that you have to have it for those who are immunocompromised. So specifically those we're talking about who've had uh, cancer treatments, who've um, maybe on prednisone of 20 milligrams or more a day, um, uh, your renal transplants patients, um, even like people who have in-stage renal disease and on dialysis, they... Um, the recommendation is to be at least uh, a month out from your full from finishing your series and then for the general population when they uh, make those recommendations for the fall to have a like a third dose that population they're going to recommend i think a longer period that you may be at least uh, eight months out from finishing your series 
Okay. So basically what we've also been doing in our office is that when they come in for their visits, because we're not quite sure when we'll be seen again, we um, know when they had their vaccines and we'll, we're giving them how many months out there due, eight months. So if they had it in March, we add um, three and eight and tell them that's when you get your next, um, your, your, um, vaccine your booster because people want to know this they they want to know when they are due yeah and again again this is just preliminary information um i think this is still again that booster has to be that third dose has to be approved by the fda and then more guidance will be available uh, towards the end of september well how about the people who got the johnson the johnson the one and done uh are they going to need an, another vaccination too or what so, so far, the data suggests that still, again, like the other mRNA vaccines, that it is very effective um, for severe disease. Um, we are still trying to find out more information. I believe that the, they're reviewing the data for whether a second dose is needed. But at this stage, there, there does not seem to be that recommendation. Okay. So for the Johnson & Johnson right now, and uh, we're recording this um, in late August, uh, we don't know, but September may tell us different things, I guess. We just have to wait and see what happens. That's right. Okay, great. Now, patients ask me all the time, which vaccine should I be getting? And I tell them, get the one you can get. What do you tell people? You know, that's a, a very good question. I think it, you have to uh, look into um, the patient's comfort. You know, I have a lot of patients that are have very significant needle phobia, you know, any injections. And then also uh, think of where um, their, their own, like, health um, for instance, you know, is there anything that would preclude them from getting uh, the vaccines? So we do have a few patients that have um, very like they have potential allergies to components of the vaccines. So we review that to ensure we could pick one or the other. I, I'm a strong believer that I think they all work very well. And so um depending on, you know, if somebody's concerned about the mRNA, mRNA you know, components that I mentioned, the J&J is a different, you know, adenovirus um, methodology that they they gravitate to that one. But overall, the key thing is to advocate for everybody to get the vaccine as soon as they can. Well, let me reintroduce our guest today. We are so very pleased to welcome back Dr. Cynthia Snyder. Dr. Snyder is an infectious disease specialist. She is medical director for infection prevention and hospital epidemiologist at Cone Health in Greensboro, North Carolina. Dr. Snyder has been extremely busy over the last 18 months, and we do appreciate her taking the time to be with us today. Now, people are also asking me, do they still need to get their flu shot? Yes, yeah, so we believe that this year we'll see more of influenza and um, the, getting the vaccine for that in the same way that COVID vaccine does is that we know that it prevents severe disease. So I'm a fan of vaccines like, and whatever we can do to prevent anybody from becoming ill or hospitalized, you know, or debilitated from these infections, the better off we are by 
getting the vaccine. The key time to getting the vaccine is somewhere around September, early October. That's usually when the flu season starts uh, starts up. And, um, and again, the key thing too is also the reason why we didn't see as much respiratory, other respiratory illnesses and less flu cases last year too. Um, you know, masking is very important. And on that same line, I have had some patients who have delayed getting their uh, pneumonia shots and delayed getting their shingle shots, uh, which uh, I don't think needs to be done. What is your thoughts on this? So uh, the key component is that people can get certain vaccines together, but but like I believe with the shingles vaccine, if you space it out just for a couple of weeks, that will be helpful to, you know, making sure you have good immune response to both vaccines. Now, um, and the pneumonia shot also. Yeah, so pneumonia, you can take the pneumonia vaccine with the flu vaccine and, and the COVID vaccine. So there's no reason for people to delay getting their, um, you know, vaccinations. They just need to still get them, make sure that they're delayed. But I mean, you know, spaced out. But this does not mean you can skip these vaccinations. Correct. I think, you know, one of the biggest concerns last year had to do with patients and kids, right, missing their scheduled uh, vaccines, you know, their regular childhood vaccines. And so it's important to making sure they're getting them um, in a timely manner. Another thought uh, is that I see people who wear masks only in name. And what I mean by that, that mask is below their nose. Could we talk about masking a little bit? Um, sure. So the when I think of the importance of masking and how it prevents um transmission, like it protects yourself and it protects others, but you have to wear it correctly. So wearing it on under your nose obviously is not uh, really effective. And we uh, really recommend those that are, you know, at least if you're in the community, um, you can wear like fabric masks that are two ply with a tight weave of cotton, but it should go over your, the bridge of your nose and under your chin. And um, and if you can feel your breath on the other side of that mask, that probably means it's not uh, tight of weave enough. And so you can also get um, um, try out other masks to have um, better protection. I try to talk to patients also when you're masking, uh, if they can try to get the mask that has the little metal around the nose also so that you can really form it around your nose and get a secure um, you know, uh, fit that way. Uh, what's your thought process on that? Uh, correct. There are um, so many different masks. You know, who knew that we would be seven aficionados or, you know, and I need, needed to like match your outfit, but correct. I think um, that that those wires around the bridge of your nose definitely helps keeping it in place. And then also, I'm a fan of the masks that have those adjustable ear loops. So if you can get it a little bit tighter, you know, that helps um, keeping it in place. What's your thought processes on the gators that are out there? You know, um, it turns out that 
you know, in theory, I think gators made sense of how, you know, that was another way of keeping something on your face. However, again, it goes back to the, the, um, what the material is of the gator and if it stays tight enough on your face. So I believe there had been some research done out of UNC that showed that the filtration was not optimal. So uh, gators were, did not perform as well as um, other masks. Now, another question that I'm getting from patients uh, who are vaccine hesitant is that and I know you talked about it earlier, but if you could go back over it again for me, I'd appreciate it. That they're saying, okay, so I see people who have gotten the vaccine still get infected. So why should I get the vaccine? Yeah, you know, uh, I think um, when we first heard of how well the vaccines worked, you know, with like 95% effectiveness against uh, severe disease and hospitalization, I think people felt that that meant that was the same statistics for just mild disease or, or an infection with no symptoms. But we know that... Um, the effectiveness of getting any um, infection, like even there's there's what we know as breakthrough is what you're describing when a fully vaccinated patient person uh, gets COVID. And many times um, there's very mild and people feel like it's like, like a head cold. And that still is protective. And, and uh, we still recommend that, you know, even despite, somebody's fully vaccinated getting even a mild head cold that is far better than having to be like hospitalized or or you're seeking you know medical care where you would have to be um you know bed bound um to recover so there's still far much more you know protection with being vaccinated against this disease so Dr. Snyder, and again, let me introduce our guest, Dr. Cynthia Snyder. She's an infection disease specialist. She's the medical director for infection prevention and epidemiologist at Cone Health in Greensboro, North Carolina. So, Dr. Snyder, as we come to the close of this, and I do thank you for taking the time, you know, what are your words of wisdom, you know? What do you want us to understand about what's going on? What do you want us to do? You know, how can we get people to understand what's going on? So, um, you know, I would say that right now we are in the midst of a very, very serious surge and we need everybody to do as much as they can. We need to really kind of put aside our you know, like our individual kind of stances on politics and understand that this is going to have a tremendous impact on our community if we don't change the path that's happening. We need everybody to be wearing masks while they're indoors. Please reconsider throwing part, like if you're going to be throwing parties or getting together with people you don't know, you still need to be wearing a mask indoors. And kids need to be masked while they're in schools because they don't have access to vaccines yet. And we have to protect them so that we can keep them in schools, you know. And look to your local news. Understand that your local health systems 
are feeling the brunt of it. All the healthcare workers and providers are so fatigued. You know, they want to do their best, but it is really hard and challenging when so many cases come all at once and are all overwhelming. And so those images that we see out of Florida and Mississippi and Georgia, that could potentially happen everywhere. So I, you know, when people say, oh, that's happening over there, I'm like, no, that can easily happen here. And it's starting to, at least in North Carolina, we're seeing that pickup of that surge. And we need everybody to not only mask up and follow those three W's, but anybody that was on the fence about getting the vaccine, we need you to go get the vaccine right now. We need all we can do in order to slow down the impact of this um, this very horrible disease process that can happen to our community. Okay. Well, we've been very pleased today to have as our guest, Dr. Cynthia Snyder. She's an infectious disease expert, medical director for infection prevention and epidemiologist at Cone Hospital in Greensboro, North Carolina. Any final words, Dr. Snyder? Um, I would just say for the next, you know, two months, we really need everybody to just mask up and get that jab in the arm in order to get immunized. Okay, great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It's a matter of your health. It's a matter of your health. The 30-Minute Radio Show with Dr. Vita Bland. It's brought to you by the African-American Public Radio Consortium, NPR Distribution, and the Public Radio Satellite System.